Hey everybody, welcome to the Data Doesn't Equal Outcomes podcast sponsored by CCNY. Behavioral health and human services organizations have to demonstrate outcomes. They have to run programs that make people better and prove it. And so the mad scramble for data is well underway. But data is just numbers and outcomes are just results and connecting the two is the work. So if it has to do with driving better results for clients using a data-driven approach, we cover it here on the Data Doesn't Equal Outcomes podcast. My guest today is Brandy Collins. I'm very excited to have her. Uh, Brandy is a program evaluator here at CCNY. Um, she's been a program evaluator for five years on top of her 18 years total in health and human services, uh, including quality improvement, um, and also including direct program experience uh, running residential programs uh, with cases in OPWDD, OMH, and the Department of Health here in New York State. Brandy, very happy to have you. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be here. Thank you. So today's topic um, is utilization-focused evaluation. And before we dive into that, um, I was wondering if you could just give us sort of that, an overview of what you do as a program evaluator. What does that entail? Sure. As a program evaluator, I work with nonprofits to identify first of all, what needs to be evaluated in their program and why, and then how to do that effectively um, with reliable data. So um, we go through several phases of discovery, getting to know the client, the organization, um, what they do, why they do it, and why that's important to them, and what they're looking to get from their evaluation. Great. So you use what is termed a utilization-focused evaluation, is that right? Yes. So help us understand what that means. So there are all different reasons and ways to evaluate a program. And I think most often when people think of program evaluation, they think of some type of reporting requirement to a funder or an oversight agency. And even if that is part of the evaluation that we're doing at CCNY, we also do a utilization-focused evaluation, which, spoiler alert, means you can use the evaluation. <laughs> and that's usually done throughout the evaluation. So the goal is not just to have a report at the end where you're like, okay, now this is what we can do and this is what we can tell people about our program, but to actively involve the organization um, throughout the process of the evaluation. So as we're working together, um, there's kind of a transfer of skills, a transfer of knowledge on both ends, and then there's some utility and usefulness and change happening during the process of the actual evaluation. Excellent. So yeah, the key's in the word utility, right? It's got to be useful. Um, so when within the framework of an evaluation, how do you set it up to make sure that it'll be have that utility at the end? Like, what does the beginning look like to ensure you you end up where you want to end up? So this is very very critical when you're doing utilization evaluation because things can change. Um, based on what's happening with the organization and what's happening in the evaluation. So you have to really make sure that um, everything is set up in an organized and cohesive way to help guide you and make sure that um, you're following the evidence and um, that the evaluation is actually useful. Um, so there 
is a lot of time invested in what we call the discovery process. So really getting to know the organization, really getting to know the stakeholders, and making sure that there are a varied group of stakeholders and that they're all invested. Um, a lot of times what will happen is you'll have somebody um, that's higher up in the organization that's kind of in charge of this and you know they're going to be your main contact but we really need to get the right group of stakeholders so that's coming down from direct service professionals to mid-level supervisors to admin people and really knowing what's going on in that organization so that the evaluation questions, which are what is going to guide the entire process, are really reflective of what's needed from the organization. And then that also allows any recommendations and any action that's coming out of the evaluation to be traced back to those original evaluation questions, making sure that the data collected are being used um, in an ethical and true way. You mentioned questions. Um... Can you give me an example of some of those questions you might ask? Um, yeah, sure. A lot of it is really just getting to understand the operations of an organization and the culture at an organization and just knowing um, what the processes look like for operations and for data collection. And we do end up spending a lot of time supporting those data collection measures and okay. making sure that there's fidelity within that data collection. A lot of times we'll kind of start off with, you know, what is your program doing? How are they doing it? What roles are people playing? And then it gets down to actually talking to the people that are collecting the data and knowing that what they're putting in a certain field means. Because sometimes when you're looking at something as an evaluator or an analyst, you might see a word um, that means something to you in general. Um, but what you find out is that in practice, that means something else. So that's really, really mm -hmm. important. If we're looking at specific data points to understand how they're being entered and why they're being entered. Yeah, that's that's so huge. Um, I worked uh, in the EHR industry for a long time and in um, outpatient mental health, uh, no-show rate is a big measure, right? And a lot of folks would uh, look at their no-show data and wonder um, why it's one way or the other, you know, really, really awesome or, or in the tank. And there'd be some rate associated with it. But if you looked at the quantity, it'd be based on like 10 appointments because nobody's using, using the scheduler because they didn't like it or whatever, right? So you have to <laughs> make sure that there's actually, um, that you know how systems are being used and how data is being collected in order to interpret it. Exactly. And I think that's really important, especially if you have a tool that's being required by an oversight agency mm -hmm. or a funder. And I, I see this a lot. I think a really easy example is discharge status. So a lot of yeah. times we'll look and we'll say, okay, what's going on with folks once they're discharged? And you might have like three or four options. And one is like successful, unsuccessful, um, didn't complete the goals or continued on to other programming, but they don't exactly say those types of words in them. So mm -hmm. what, what will happen is we'll say, okay, 
this is a profile of what's happening with people at discharge. And then the staff will say, wait a second, that's not reflective of what we're doing. And it's because the same scenario is being recorded under different options. So it's really important to look at those and make sure that it's well understood and defined what you're checking and why you're checking that. So when we're looking at utilizing that information, we can see what's truly happening. Yeah. Successful and unsuccessful are, uh, they shouldn't have anything else mixed in with them, right? I, I've seen that too. Return to parent is an option and successful is an option. <laughs> and so if you do a report on successful, uh, a lot of the data that's collected was true, but it's being missed because the category wasn't determined ahead of time. Exactly. Or there could be multiple scenarios under successful. So one example could be um, an individual completed all their goals, they're finished with treatment, and they're off, and they're doing whatever they need to do in the world. And another one could be that they completed their goals up until the point that this program was useful for them, but then they were connected with longer term services. Mm -hmm. So within that program, those both might be considered a success. So you might have to define how to record that second one rather than both bucketing them both under successful so yeah. you can kind of understand and see what you're doing with referrals for example and so that mm -hmm. might be a recommendation that's made in an evaluation that's not in a final report but throughout as we're collecting data so communication is really important to make sure you're getting that kind of utility and if that's something that you're communicating early and you're catching early because you have that open communication lines with mm -hmm. the staff and with reporting, then you can make those changes early on. So then later on, you can kind of see what you really need to see in the difference of those types of successful discharges, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've got the, the beginning, right? This extensive discovery period, we're going to get on the same page. We're going to define all of the things that we need to define so that we can end up where we can end up. But what happens in the middle? Where can this, where can this go, go wrong? Or, or where can you as the evaluator say, okay, we need a course correction or you're going to end up with something that's not useful. Um, so actually what I was just talking about is a really great example. So if there's not um, good definitions or we find that there's not fidelity with the data collection, that could be a barrier. Um, turnover and staffing is a big barrier, especially mm. within nonprofits. Um, and I think also just pressures, outside pressures or internal pressures within an organization. If there's a new funder or somebody's asking for different types of information, people might all of a sudden say, oh, no, we need to know this instead of what we originally defined. And those are things that you really have to be conscious of because in a utilization evaluation, your research questions, your evaluation questions could change. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to make sure that you're doing them in a you're doing that in a methodical way and there's good reason behind it and then you're you're making sure that all of the methods and reporting are also lining up with that so what <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare um to, to the <laughs> to the untrained evaluator here but what, how do you react to that when you know you think you've got everything worked out mid-evaluation priorities change funders change like how do you roll with that what uh i mean it just sounds like it sounds like you should start over to me but of course you can't do that so you know what strategies do you use to to steer that ship in the right direction so that's why in the beginning I mentioned it's so critical to get all of this organized and set up and documented um 
in a, in a organized way. Right. Um, so if that's happening, you can go back and you can look at what you have set up. You can look at your logic model. You can look at your theory of change. You can look at your evaluation questions and you can say, okay, what's changing here? Why is it changing? And how does that affect what we're doing? And how does that affect how we evaluate what we're doing? So really you just kind of do go back to the beginning. You're not starting from scratch, but you're kind of looking at what you've already established, making sure that it's still in line with what's happening. And that does happen quite frequently. Um, and sometimes it feels frustrating um, yeah. on, on all ends of it. Um, but that's what really ends up yielding those results and, and allowing the evaluation to continue to be useful. Because if you say, no, this is what we did, this is what we said, and it's not useful, everything starts to break down. So not only mm -hmm. is the report coming out of it not useful, um, you have stakeholders that are less invested. So the mm -hmm. data collection falls off, the communication falls off. So it's really critical to just kind of go back to that documentation, review it, and just continuously do that and and focus on how is this useful for what we need at this point in time. So you can kind of reset your initial discovery to the new information and then trace how much of that uh, changes what you've done or what you've done is still valid. So you only need to adjust where appropriate and not the whole thing. Exactly. Okay. So moving through the the evaluation process you're getting to the end and boy everybody wants a dashboard right so talk to us about the output of an evaluation and how how do you make sure that that has that utility that that you've been talking about Again, this traces back to the beginning. So identifying who your audience is, identifying what stakeholders need this information and how they need it. And so a lot of times with utilization focused evaluations, it's not just the final report. Um, you're having interim reports, you're having different reports for different stakeholders. You're engaging in meetings. There might be like a an agency meeting or something where you're presenting information, whether it's in a report or a dashboard format to kind of help them get that utility out of it. And then, so the final report really, you should have a good idea in the beginning what that's going to look like because you know who your audience is, you know what type of information they need to get. And as you go through the evaluation, as it's changing, you're documenting it. So often it will have like an executive summary that has high level information that's really great for administrators or boards to review. Then it will have a little bit more detailed information and then it will have some recommendations at the end, which are really helpful for like the program supervisors and making decisions strategically moving forward. Yeah, as a, uh, as a former dashboard builder, right, um, I've seen this scenario where, um, you know, I work my tail off and I've got this awesome dashboard and it's got all these widgets and it does all this different stuff and nobody looks at it, right? Can a, can a report be too much to be useful? Absolutely. And I think that's really the main goal and that's why employing utilization evaluation is helpful because you're getting feedback in real time. You're not creating a bunch of widgets. You're not creating a bunch of things to find out at the end if it's useful or not. You're communicating with that. You're adjusting it. So if you have a really text heavy report or a really long report, 
that's probably just going to sit on a shelf or sit in a file folder on somebody's computer. And that's also why we break the report down the way we do. Um, Having that bigger summary is really important, getting into some more of those details. Um, Recently, we've been pushing a lot of stuff into appendices because it doesn't bulk up the report, but if somebody needs that information, it's available for them as well. Yeah, nice. Um, Okay, so you've been doing this for a while. Can you tell us a story? Can you tell us about uh, a project where um, that utility was in jeopardy and you were able to pull it out of jeopardy and make sure that it was useful at the end? Sure. So um, working with a government agency who has a grant, a federal grant, and they're contracting with Um, community-based providers to provide the services and they're providing guidance and oversight and evaluation and I think again this is really probably the biggest thing is a turnover in staff so having a turnover in a supervisor of one of the main agencies that are providing services and that's really critical because when new people come in they have a lack of context um, for what's currently being done and they have a lot of great ideas about how to move things forward so after spending several years really establishing the evaluation going through this um, utilization cycle having having that a person in that role leave um, could mean going back to the beginning and kind of starting again and even more so than if there's outside pressures right so if it was coming from up the chain or from a funder or something like that this is a totally different person in this role so um, thankfully our team had done our due diligence in the beginning and had really established relationships with various staff members and various stakeholders and we were able to pull in a part-time staff that was really invested in the work and in the evaluation and had a lot of knowledge and utilized them as our champion for that organization to kind of get through that interim period and onboard their supervisor coming in and help keep that rolling and making sure that we're staying on track and we're staying true to those evaluation questions we're not spending too much time going back and re-examining. So it's really a balance. You know, you have to make sure that as things change, you're responding to them, but you can't respond so much that you lose the focus, you lose the utility, and then you have nothing to show for it. Yeah. And, you know, in health and human services, turnover is such an issue in and of itself that you can't really assume that there won't be turnover. You almost have to assume that there will um, yes. and, and be, be ready to, to, to go with that. Um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, that's a, a specific example. What are some of the, you know, if you're an agency, right. And you're about to start your evaluation, whether it's of your own choosing or, you know, from an external, um, source requirement, what are some of the common pitfalls that that agency can fall into, even though you've got an experienced evaluator like yourself trying to guide them? Where can, you know, what are those, if you could sit down every agency who's about to start evaluation and tell them, you know, two or three things to do or not do, you know, what comes to mind for you? Um, I think 
being consistent is really important. And as much as it's difficult to not fall into these like crisis situations in the evaluation, it's more difficult when you're on the ground working with folks and managing things and you have so many pressures and constraints in your work. So trying to be consistent. So as much as it's important for us to be consistent with our evaluation plan and our our questions, it's important for them to be consistent with their implementation of it. So really making sure that as they're experiencing turnover, they're maintaining that focus, they're training new folks properly um, when they're coming in, and that as they're getting those external pressures, that they're really kind of stepping back, engaging where that fits and what they need um, with their data collection and with their evaluation. Yeah, that uh, makes good sense. So uh, then how do you, as the evaluator, sort of help shepherd them through that? Um, just referring back to the documentation, really. I can't even tell you how many times I'm three years into something and I'm pulling up the logic model on a regular basis because things happen and things change and especially in our current situation where we're in a pandemic there were organizations that had full strategic plans laid out that had to completely change their course and change their focus because everything changed for them so um yeah just kind of going back to that documentation going back to the questions and trusting that we went through the process um fully that really is helpful Great. Yeah. As um, I was a quality improvement director when the pandemic started and every ongoing project basically just got thrown out the window. Um, and then, you know, a dozen new ones had to start because you know, we had to adapt quality to a substantially new new reality. Um, it, any any parting words uh, you know, what's what's Brandy's uh, best advice for uh, a program evaluation? Um, <laughs> stick to the plan. Oh, <laughs> stick to the plan. Stick to the plan and communicate. <laughs> um, yeah, stick no, to I the mean, plan really, and like, communicate. I like that. That is the thing. Like things come out of left field, and it's like, oh my gosh, we can't, we can't focus on that. We need to focus on what we need to focus on, or we need to figure out where that fits in with the plan. But um, sticking to the plan and communicating, and just kind of hanging in there, especially on a, a longer evaluation, that's really important. It it feels like things can get a little bit like in the weeds or a little bit rote, but it's definitely worth it in the end. Absolutely. Um, so I, that's going to do it for us today. Um, stick to the plan and communicate. That's uh, what, if you take away nothing today from Brandy Collins, stick to the plan and communicate during your evaluation. Uh, you've been listening to the Data Doesn't Equal Outcomes podcast sponsored by CCNY. My guest today has been Brandy Collins. Uh, Brandy, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Tristan. <laughs>